live from Indianapolis. This is continuing coverage of the 2022 NFL Combine on Steelers Nation Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to day three of our coverage from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Jerry Dulac with you from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette Steelers Radio Network. Joined for the next two hours by Matt Williamson. Steelers Nation Radio. Matt, good morning. And, good morning to you. Uh, yeah, they're starting to, starting to get exciting, at least across the street, when they start doing uh, some drills. We're still waiting to get our hands on the measurements, the heights, weights, right, hand, right. the all-important hand, hand size. size. Sure, you know, Kenny Pickett was asked about it yesterday, and he just kind of uh, giggled and laughed it off uh, because it becomes every combine, but the reality is it doesn't uh, deter, or as Bill Cowher to say, deter teams from taking guys that they, um, you know, that they like regarding their hand size. Yeah, it's nice. And I always use, but I always use the Baker Mayfield, uh, uh, you know, situation a couple of years ago where if he didn't have the smallest hand size of all quarterbacks, he had among the smallest hand size, his general man- general manager at the time, John Dorsey said, yeah, that's a big factor in the Northeast, small hands. <laughs> and yet he t- went and did one anyhow. Yeah, hundred percent. And I don't know if you, you saw this and I didn't even know, it happened, but with all this picket hand size and, they referenced a tweet that Joe Burrow sent out about this time of year because he just got his hands measured. It was slightly over nine, I think, which is small. And he's kind of a cocky dude, as we we found oh, out, yeah, a rather yeah. confident young man, and yeah. said, well, I guess nobody should draft me. My hands are too small. Sorry. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. First overall. You know, Joe Burrow, he was the epitome of confidence uh, when he was here yeah. uh, on, uh, you know, on the podium. And the, the curse was... Baker Mayfield, who was very confident but cocky, almost arrogant, even then. It's a fine but, line, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was kind of entertaining. I, I think uh, his to the effect that um, um, I'm the guy who can turn this franchise around, or if they're looking for the guy, I'm the guy, or something to mm-hmm. that effect. And that's that's the way he was then. That's the way he still is now. All those things are hard for me to decipher. I mean, obviously when you have these players into your, your building for the day and you can really spend time with them, I, I think there's a lot more to take away personality-wise, leadership, confidence, all those things. Because the guy that I like better maybe than Burrow is Herbert, and the big knock on him was, well, he's You not mean confident. at the time? or still not- yeah, All the above. I mean, I think he's as special as oh, dude, anyone yeah, out there. Yeah, and, yeah. Still. Yeah. yeah. And the big knock on him this time of his, his process was, well, he's kind of quiet. I don't know yeah. what kind of leader he right, is. Does right, he have confidence right. even in himself? I I'm get like, a lot of that from Kenny Pickett. That's yeah, I, yeah, That's I can see what you're saying. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't – everyone has – I mean, Eli's kind of a dead fish, and, boy, he was confident when the time mattered. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, um, uh, you, you get some of the – that's why That's why kind of Baker Mayfield was so refreshing at the time because a lot of times, you know, even like I think I think Kenny Pickett was asked yesterday, and I, I don't think I'm confusing him with one of the other guys, one of the other quarterbacks. You know, would you be willing to go somewhere we have to sit here or two? Well, I just, uh, you know, I just want to come in somewhere and compete. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a standard nice agent. Sure. You know. Agent taught him that right. pretty well from the early age. He was having none of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was having none of that when he was there. Yeah. You just, and you just saw that swagger and that cockiness, and that's what makes him, you know, despite his not, not a lack of, uh, not a, a lot of, a lack of height and mm-hmm. small hands, so that's what makes him as uh, the leader that he is, although. And, still debating in Cleveland what, right. what they want to do. We had a good conversation. Yeah, yeah, Tony Grossi and talked about you know Baker quite a bit, and I think they. Well, I mean, I flat out said it on the air yesterday. Hey, Steeler fan, you want the Browns to sign this guy to a long term, big money deal because it'll 
hinder them from doing other things, but they're in a bind right now. You know, I mean, it's it's decision time for this. It's GMI. a big one for them. Yeah, and he's come a super injury plagued year, but a really bad year too. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you invest in that? It's an interesting situation, and I, I don't compare him to this player anymore. But just thinking about Baker on the podium that year, a lot of people know he was in play for the Browns. You know, looked at him like, you know is this guy a Johnny Manziel problem, you know, and he didn't have the off field substance stuff like Manziel, right, but right. they both were lit on around guys right. coming off a of Heisman going to the Browns. And, you know, I mean, it's just funny to me to, you know, how we started this conversation that the perception now versus a couple of years of league, you know, of guys like Herbert and Baker and all these guys, you know, it's easy to stand up at the podium and act tough, but as Mike Tyson said, you know, Take a punch, you punch know, we'll, we'll see, see how That's that right. goes. We'll right. see how tough you are, how you can withstand <laughs> a punch. Um, you know, uh, uh, the uh, where I think the Browns have to in this is overreacting to one year because mm-hmm. two years ago, I mean, Baker looked like, let's face it, he was, he was the leader, and he was the leader of that team, one that was going forward. For most of the first half of the season, Matt, last uh, 2021, I thought the Browns had the best team, the best okay. roster in yeah. the division. And then subsequently we saw, you know, the injuries to Baker. Um, then on that, and that was in Tony references shortly after they hammered the Bengals 41-10 or whatever yeah, that score was. Point. Right, right. You'll forget then, about what it looked like early in the year. Right? Yeah. And I thought the best roster or the best starting uh, uh, 22 in a division some injuries, and then, of course, the advent of, of uh, the Bengals and Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. No injuries, no major injuries at all, and that's what you need. You need some luck. Um, you know, the, the ability to, to throw the ball, big plays, Jamar Chase, two other good receivers, good running game, um, and they, you know, I like the Bengals, you know, as the season went on. I was really liking that football team. Sure. But my point is, is I, I the, the, the Browns have to be very careful based on one a below average year to overreact, in my opinion, to Baker Mayfield and think, okay, who was out there that you think is better? That's the other key. That's who, key. who can you get who you think is better? Right. And I was, we kind of ran out of time yesterday to handle the Brown situation this year. They desperately need a receiver. And we kind of talked about that, you know, yesterday that there, there there's going to be a good one there in the first round. But after that, that's when Sam Howe or Corral or Ritter starts to, I might move up in round two to go grab one of those guys just so Baker doesn't hold all the cards in, in negotiations. At least I have a plan B in the building. And I wasn't a massive Baker believer coming out of school. And he's flashed. Don't get me wrong. But I, I don't know that he'll ever be a Burrow or a Lamar in the no, division. You know what I mean? Um, I'm glad you mentioned the injuries because – and I'm excited to you know talk Bengals today a little bit too because they stayed remarkably healthy and it's unbelievably important. And what's funny to me is Owen brings up the Ravens. You know, like the Ravens to me are a sleeping giant in the division. They got destroyed with injuries last year and they have a lot of draft picks and and COVID and COVID, I mean, COVID's yeah, a big right, factor right. too. Another thing that the Bengals avoided for the most part. Hundred percent. All right. Yeah. I, I just look at, at Baltimore and think, boy, don't cut organization out ever. You. Yeah, ever. I'm with you. Yep. Hundred percent. Yeah, the, the Ravens are, are uh, and, you know, and I've always felt that the Steelers were this way, maybe not as much here the last year or two, but they, the Ravens, me, are the team mm-hmm. slash organization in the NFL. Um, so a little reverb here. Um, so um, I'm with you. I, yeah. I never count them out of any game or out of any season because yeah. of that. 100%. I mean, I still look at teams, owner, GM, front office, coach, 
quarterback. And the last piece of the puzzle for the Steelers is a question mark now. I mean, let's not get no, kid around. Right, that's right. But Baltimore has them all. <laughs> I mean, they, they really do. They're not going. Oh, I, I agree with you. You know, uh, we're, I was talking about this last night uh, with Tony Grossi. Um, we were talking about quarterbacks uh, at the combine. We were talking about Baker. Okay. And I said I, I, the most impressive interview I've ever seen at the combine by a quarterback was Andrew Luck. No, oh, okay. On the field, we knew what he did, and then you see him off the field, and you just go, "Wow, this yeah. guy is composed. This guy is confident." And and of course, R three went right after it, and when he spoke, it was the same deal. And you look at those two guys, and you go, "Wow!" But Andrew Luck, obviously, to this day, was still the most impressive quarterback I've seen up at the combine. Interesting. You know, we were actually at a conversation late in the day yesterday with Greg Cosell, and we were talking about top quarterbacks, and I brought up Trevor Lawrence to him, and he said. I loved Lawrence, but he wasn't luck coming out. You right, know, like right, you know, right. oh, everyone absolutely. just assumed he was, you know, LeBron coming out of school, and and few come out of out of school like luck. And I'm glad you mentioned RG three too, because nine out of ten years that guy's the first pick of the draft. You know, right, right. You know? And you know when RG three and, and a little promotion going on back yeah, there. I don't, for the, I don't know getting somebody to fire up the crowd. You know, kind of like they do for uh, now. They're they're up. They're throwing some iron around oh, up okay. on their benching. I guess they got the guy on the mic trying to uh, incite him a little bit more. Huh? So <laughs> what, what's the rep? 49 reps, right? In the, I don't yeah, know. 49 it's right in that neighborhood. Yeah. I only know that because yeah. I saw it yesterday. Okay. How <laughs> about that? Say, yeah, 49 reps. Can you imagine? And, and we were talking yesterday, at least I believe you brought it up. Maybe we were talking off the air that Max had talked about that because his long arms, it's harder for those long arm guys to, uh, to bench oh. press. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because – I guess it was yesterday morning was the first time I ever met Max in person. Right, We've right. done videos together and whatnot, but we were never in the same place the same time. And I just started picking his brain about, you know, combine drills and you know, all these things. And we were very much in agreement about the bench press test is, first of all, it's unbelievably biased against guys like Max, who was sitting at the other end of the table and showed me his long arms. I thought he was going to grab me by the face from here. You know what right. I mean? His, <laughs> yeah. Me. yeah. Right. I mean, those short, stocky wide-bodied guards just don't have to push the bar as far and we both had a, a common acquaintance you, you probably remember buddy morris absolutely uh, right i mean he's kind of a pit legend and now he's in arizona is that why uh, he's still there he's still there yeah no and when even the year i was with the browns he was our, our browns yeah, i remember that coach. i knew when he went to play and yeah. one of the things i'll never from buddy is he's like the game is played three four five seconds at a time and then you take 30 seconds off and then you do it again they're short bursts the bench press is a stamina test. You right, know, it's like right. a marathon for lifting weights. And that's not football, you know. And Max and I both agreed. We, we cited the same things. And we both also said, but someone really puts up bad numbers. They probably didn't work out or it wasn't right. important to them. You right. know what I mean? Right. So, Well, you know, uh, I, you know, I don't want to indict the guy, but I want to say, if I'm not mistaken, that Orlando Brown was really, really bad. Right. Funny, Max brought him up. Yeah, did he? Yeah. yeah. I mean, he didn't even, he, I don't, what, he didn't even do 15, I don't think. I don't think I don't he got think the so. 20 for sure. Every test was abysmal for Orlando Brown. Yeah. I mean, this time in his process, people were saying, boy, really good tape. Dad's a great player, tremendous body, you know, I mean, size. Right. And he might be going the first round. Comes here and was as bad a workout as I've ever seen for an offensive lineman. Goes right. in the third round. Right. And Max even said, I guess he was here when goes to the way in sloppy body, you know, and Ravens kind of end up getting a steal in the third round. Like, right. hey, don't overreact too much to things here is the lesson. But he also didn't put the work in. And, and Mac had, Max had some insight on Brown. He 
his pre-combine workout was fat camp. And I mean, it was Max's words was he would just go and try to lose weight. He wasn't working on shuttles or bench or any of that stuff. He went away these couple months and trimmed 10 pounds. That's really accomplished, you know? Yeah. You know, you know, it's, uh, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, Matt is one of the things the Steelers have always done. And, and Kevin Colbert uh, reiterated the point uh, a week or so ago that they, you know, the bulk of their film and in person in games. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's where they evaluate the guys and they use the combine and, you know, maybe some of the pro days, maybe, you know, to, to either confirm or supplement what they already know, but the bulk of uh, their evaluations are done on the field. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to that little story I was telling yesterday and I can't remember which coach said it, but he told his coach, uh, judge them on film, what you see on film, how fast are they on film? Not how fast they run in the 40, how fast do they play on the field? How fast do they look on film? I think that's so smart. I've I've learned a lot of scouting just from watching the Steelers from afar, obviously, and I believe in that wholeheartedly. We were a little bit yesterday, like a big mistake you can make is I watch a really fast wide receiver and in the positive column, boy, great speed, you know, great acceleration. Then he comes here and runs a 40 and you give him credit for him twice. You know, like you don't want to give him credit for him twice. And we know he's fast already. I mean, he, he, so those type of things are important to me, too. And lastly, our scouting strategy is write a final just based on tape, tuck it away and then come back and add to your report and take your final report and the first one and be like, maybe I like the first one better. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right. That's, how much did it change my mind? Well, they hit. Uh... A couple of years ago, they started having the bench press right near Radio Row. <laughs> the loudspeaker in the background, that's what it is. They started the bench press uh, uh, workout here. and um, They're a little wound up. Yeah, it's actually, you know, it's actually, Matt, uh, uh, you know, when they first did I wandered a couple of times. And it's actually kind of addictive watching it, as silly as that sounds. It is, it is. You start watching these guys to see, you know, who can, who, you know, how high they can go, who can best the previous one. And you see the reactions of the guys. They're egging, they're egging their fellow competitors on a lot of the times, too, to try and get the best of It's competitive, but they become buddies here, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a tough environment for these players. So they become friends pretty quick. They spend a lot of time together. I think they all want to see each other do well. I, I am definitely going to stroll over at the break real quick just to get a glimpse of it. Jerry Dulac and Matt Williamson, we are beginning uh, the first of our two hours this morning. It's day three of our coverage here at the NFL Combine. Our Combine coverage is presented by First National Bank. Let's get started, member FDIC. When we come back, Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com. That's the AFC champion, Cincinnati Bengals. He joins us uh, when we return. You're listening to ESPN Pittsburgh and Steeler Nation Radio. Live from Indianapolis, this is continuing coverage of the 2020 L Combine on Steelers Nation Radio. Yeah, we're back to the Indiana Convention Center. It's day three of the NFL Combine. They're working out across the road at Lucas Oil Stadium. Jerry Dulac and Matt Williamson with you for the, our first two hours today. And then from uh, 12 to 4, right, West, they you can hear it all on uh, Steeler Nation Radio. Our combine coverage is presented by First National Bank. Let's get started. Member FDIC. Well, there was only one man in Cincinnati who expected and predicted the Bengals to go to the Super Bowl. That was Jeff Hobson. Was it, Tony, it, it might have been Tony Grossi. Yeah, Tony yeah Grossi, right, in, in, in the state of Ohio. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, it was uh, uh, Butch Welcome, and, um, you know, it was just such a great thing for the city. 
as you saw the season go on and you saw the big play ability of Jamar Chase to go with those other two receivers, including another big play guy, T. Higgins, the abrupt ball with Joe Mixon, and, of course, the, the talent of Joe Burrow, a pass rush that could get after the quarterback. Yeah. All of a sudden, as the season's going on, you're going, hey, this Bengal team's pretty good, and they showed it in the postseason. Yeah, the uh, uh, thanks, Jerry. It's good to be on with you and Matt and uh, Wes here. Who's uh, Wes is a, a star. He he, he keeps us sounding yeah. okay. Always good to be on with Steel Nation. I tell you that uh, they're doing the bench press here, but like I said, <laughs> I did my bench press at Heinz Field in September. Whenever you go down there and play Tomlin and Minka Fitzpatrick, <laughs> you feel like you're lifting 500 pounds. But no, I thought that. Uh, yeah, I mean nobody acted what we saw no, from the bench. No, I don't think so. And I think too, Jerry, you, you hit six it wins head. in the previous two, previous yeah. two years, right? Right, Total? right. And they and they got right six wins in the previous two years, and they get six wins and uh, uh, they get six wins in six games against the Chiefs, the Steelers. Yeah, so and, and 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 I think too, but you said it about the pass rush. I think people, I mean, Burrow and Chase were so good that what just went over everybody's head was that uh, it's a good, it's the best defense they might have ever had. Yeah. They've had some great ones under Zimmer. They had some good one, you know, that eighty-one Super Bowl team. That was a great defense. But uh, this one, the sacks, you couldn't run on them, and Wuzier might have played the best cornerback in Cincinnati since Leon Hall. I mean, Bell and Bates are two of the better safeties in the league. So, you know, they got to re-sign some of those guys. But, uh, you know, as they like to say in Cincinnati now, the future is bright. Yeah, and Logan Wilson started looking like Mike Single. And then he has a season when, of course, hurt the Steelers, uh, you know, with with some picks. Um, But, man, oh, man, did he come on as well. They haven't had a linebacker in a while. No, that's right. right. No, exactly right. right. No, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, right. It's perfect. And even even, uh, Logan, I think he had at one uh, point, an interception and a fumble recovery. He was the first linebacker to do that in the same season since Brian Simmons in 03. Wow. So you're wow. exactly right. They haven't had it. And, and Pratt is a uh, Pratt's a guy that doesn't get a lot of ink. He's more of a first and second down player. But he's a smart guy who seems to be in the right place, right time. Of course, had the big pick at the end of the uh, uh, playoff game in Cincinnati against the Raiders. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the more you think about it, you know, if, if they can just uh, – if they can protect Burrow, they certainly have that defense – you know, because let's face it, you got to play defense in a league. I mean, it's it's such a it's such an offensive league. You know, if you can if you can you know keep your team in games defensively, and you don't have to, you know, you can't shut anybody out nowadays. Bengals came pretty close during the playoffs. You know, I think uh, uh, they gave up. Uh, you know, they have, I think they gave up twenty points. Uh, you know, twice. You know, so I mean, it was a. Uh, you know, I think the can they do it again now in free. Doing free agency, that's a big question now because they built that defense the last two off seasons, you know, with, with uh, those veterans. And you paid, Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. You've paid attention in the draft uh, to the defensive line, and yet we saw how many times, obviously right. nine times, Joe Burrows sacked in the, in the playoff game, and, of course, right. you still win. Um, you know, so I'm sure yeah. to – I mean, that has to be addressed, but it isn't like they've ignored it, though. Yeah, either, that's right? true. Yeah, it's true. I, I – Kind of wrote this today uh, uh, or yesterday, I guess. You you write together? Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a, yeah. <laughs> Some would debate that. In fact, that's a that's a big debate. But uh, the uh, w- w- uh, coming in and making an impact at an offensive lineman, I think it's tougher now than it was back in the days of Whitworth and Andre Smith. I mean, the way they play the college game now, it's flipped. And you guys know this. It used to be the Steelers receivers. played two rookies. Didn't go so great. <laughs> Dan Moore. Dan Moore was after not too far apart from Dante Smith. Yeah. Right. And, right. Right. And, and uh, but Dante Smith was hurt and, and really couldn't play much. But I guess the point is, is that back in the day, it was really hard for wide receivers. That was the, the the position that you needed time. I remember AJ Green or Julio Jones. You needed time to kind of 
needed a year or two. Now it seems like the wide receivers are coming out and playing right away and putting up a thousand yards just like that. And, uh, you know, the last two years had two guys break the rookie record. Uh, Chase broke the record of his buddy Jefferson from LSU. Right. And now Boston I think with, and, and now I think because they're playing seven on seven in college. Right. Right. And that and that's a tough nut for the for the off. You know, it's a different game for the offensive. line. It's a big jump now from college to pros. It's a different game. So, you know, you're not going to find the answer in this draft. You know, I mean, you're going to it's going to be a mix of things. They drafted three guys, three offensive linemen last year. Right. That, that, that they're banking on. And it's got to be a mix of scheme and what you call, too. So, I mean, I think the, it's a little bit of everything when it comes to protecting uh, number nine. It's a really good point about the, the offensive transitions from college to the pros. And a lot of those offensive yeah. linemen never even put their hand in the dirt. And, yeah. You know, I mean, it's crazy. No, it's, it's exactly. It's a different it's a, world. And I, and I didn't begin to notice it until uh, when we drafted Wahey in the first round in 2015. Mm-hmm. You know, he played at A&M. And, uh, well, you know, the, they called it. They had to throw every other down, right? right. I mean, they're there. What is that? The rate attack, the air raid, or whatever. And uh, you know, it was it was a tough transition for Cedric, you know. And it was uh, and you're thinking, you know, then you go for a couple of years and you think, what was the difference? Well, the game's changed. Yeah, dramatically. Um, brought, brought me to a question about Chase. I mean, yeah. it, he <laughs> didn't struggle too much as a rookie. That's he's an unbelievable talent. And you guys have had some really good receivers: yeah. Chad Johnson, Hushman Zade, Green, yeah. of course. You know, T Higgins is a heck of a yeah. player. Yeah, where does Chase rank in just tools? Well, I mean, really impressive. I tell you, T Higgins. Just to say, T Higgins would be a number one receiver. That's what I was said that earlier. That's no exactly right. right. But the thing about Chase is, I mean, he runs, he runs routes of a guy. He runs Hall of Fame routes. He runs routes of a guy who's been in the league eight years. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. ran a route. I mean, he ran a bench route against Nashville. I mean, down to down in Nashville against the Titans, and the next to last snap to set up the winning field. I mean, that was a. He ran out out on a ten-year veteran, uh, Janoris Jenkins, Jackrabbit Jenkins, Jackrabbit, you know? and I mean he had separation like that, and that was pure route running in a Super Bowl. You know, everybody talked about Jalen Ramsey. I don't know if Jalen Ramsey ever covered. I mean, I mean, and Jalen Ramsey's a, the best cornerback yeah, in the league. Right, I have right. high, I have high, high for Jalen Ramsey, but I, it looked like he was struggling against Couldn't Chase. Couldn't cover him. I agree. I, I mean, and I, and that's that says more about Chase. And I mean, I mean, I don't like I said, high regard for Ramsey. We were talking earlier about the quarterbacks who have come through the combine and how they've handled themselves. And we were talking about Joe Burrow and how confident he yeah. seemed and, and poised last year. And we were talking about Baker Mayfield, who was confident, cocky when he was yeah. here. And, you know, we heard Joe Burrow during the year, especially after they beat the Steelers, uh, where he said, you know, uh, you, you know, you could correct me on exactly on what it was, but he said, you know, we – we aspired to more than just beating the Steelers, right. like especially in Pittsburgh. Whoa, I mean, who the heck does he yeah. think he is? And then later on in the year, after I think maybe after the Steeler game again, or one of the other games, maybe after the playoff game, he said, "This isn't the icing. This yeah. isn't the icing on the. This is just the cake." Right. But right. that was the confidence this guy had. Huh? Yeah, it's no shot at the Steelers. Oh, no, right, be, right. Trying to be like the Steelers, you know, and it's, uh, you know, everybody talks about, uh, you know, and the Steelers have a great way of carrying themselves. You know, you know, when you go out there, they're at, great team with a lot of tradition no matter what their record is right. you know and they got a i think their coach is a personification of that you know they have they have an identity they have a label and tomlin has been terrific at them putting that in his own in his own image you know and uh you have and in order to do that you have to have some skins in a wall and you have and with that comes confidence and i think that's what joe was talking about you gotta you gotta do it you know you get and when you do it you gotta do it again and so i think that uh i mean he's leader. I mean, he is, yeah, as much as we that. talk about, you know, he's the AFC passing champion. He broke every major single season Bengals passing record, right? But 
the most impressive thing is how he left his stamp on that locker room, and he did it right away. And he, and he did it right away. His his personality is 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 uh, magnetic for what he has to do. Yeah, it's very said. I mean, he changed things immediately. And um, Steelers and the Ravens, you know, Jerry and I were talking about last segment, sustained excellence in the division yeah. for a, a really long stretch, obviously. This time last year, everyone's picking the Browns. They're yeah. going to be a contender. didn't quite go that way. You know, what's your level of confidence that the Bengals can sustain it? I mean, I, I, how can you be confident in this division? Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's not be. an easy I mean, route. I mean, every, yeah. I mean, everyone, I mean, Joe Burrow's 0-3 against Baker Mayfield. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. wow, you know I what I mean? So, yeah, so right. I mean, you know, it's it's a uh, it'll be a, you know, so, you know, you gotta go. Hey, like I said, there's Tom Tom want to make, you know, right around the corner. You know, to do it again in this division, we'll just ask the Steelers. I mean, it's it's, it's gonna be uh, it really it literally is the uh, uh, I think it's you know, and it's probably because we cover it all the time, but I can't imagine that in this century there's been any division better. I mean, you know, we get you know we get ripped for you know, we had that stretch here the last couple, last like five or six years, we didn't go to the playoffs. And, you know, it's the same old stuff here about the Bengals. Well, you know, hey, if you start from when the stadium was built in 2000, it's been a pretty fun and a vision. We're, talk, mean, we're talking with Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com. You know, uh, uh, Jeff, uh, um, uh, you look at uh, the way the Bengals are built, as I said, though, with, uh, you know, the ability to throw the ball. Three really good, yeah. re- very good receivers, one, one, maybe another one near great one. The ability to run the ball, it wasn't it wasn't anything fluky. That's a solid offense yeah. that you have. And, yeah. and, but but the other thing too, and we mentioned this earlier, um, and this is always a big factor. It was especially a big COVID. Guys stayed away from major injuries, and yeah. you were you didn't have a big COVID issue at all. And that's right. that's part of it. That's yeah. part of it anymore. You got to stay healthy. I tip my hat to Zach Taylor. He had to manage that. Some teams couldn't do. It. Yeah. He did it. You got to go to the head coach, and obviously the people around them. The head coach, the administration, the security people, whoever had to get it done, the trainers, my hat to them. I mean, but again, the league is so tight. I think what you just said, it comes down to injuries and flags. You know, yeah, if you can yeah. stay on the right, I mean, you know, this thing, you know, we're talking about the blip of a the blip of a flag can change everything. We saw that in the Super Bowl with Logan Wilson. The Bengals with the benefit of some flags late. You know, so it, honestly, that's that's what the it's injuries and penalties. If you the penalty, the Bengals were the least penalized team in the league. Can yeah. they do? Can they can they do that again? And can they stay away from heaven? You know, they had they had three great receivers, right? They all out of a total of like forty nine, uh, a total out of you know seventeen times three. What's that fit? They lost two, yeah, forty nine games. Those guys played. Well, T. Higgins missed two with a shoulder. Can they do that again? One of those was against the Steelers. Wasn't yeah, that's right. I, yeah. I, yeah, I think yeah, he did. He missed yeah. the first game against the Steelers. So, you know, can they do that again? I, you know, can Mixon play another seventeen? I mean, can Burrow play another seventeen? Yeah, and we saw what happened I mean, last year with Joe Burrow. I mean, now this year different, but right. still. So I mean, it's so it's so uh, contingent on injury, you know. So I, I, that's why oh, the Bengals are going to be there. Yeah, I think they'll be. In, the big thing is that we know they'll be in contention. Right. For the next several years yeah. in December, but beyond that, I mean, and to me, that's the ultimate in this league. Beyond that, you can't say anything else. I mean, you know, if if you, it's to me, if you get to the playoffs in this league, it's that's that's it's gravy to me. I mean, yeah, you gotta want you win the big one. You have to win the, 
if you don't win it, I don't think it means you suck or you're not trying. Just but being competitive year after year. Yeah, that's tough, hard enough. Tough that's hard enough. But right. the biggest key of all, you got the franchise quarterback. That's yeah, the no biggest question. key of all. It's and you know that. There's no issue whether oh, he had a good year. No, no. He didn't have a good year. He's a, he's a great player. No, that's the, that's the ball. And, you know, look at the teams. You know, you guys did with Ben. You know, what New England did with Britain. You, you, you got to have one of them. If you don't, I mean, it's hard to. You know it's hard to win, uh, uh, and it, and there was and there's some good quarterbacks, but they don't win Super Bowls. Right. You know, I mean, it's uh, defense can only. I mean, defense you need defense, but it just seems like you need that guy to get you over the top. Where did the Bengals go in the draft? I think you know, obviously the offensive line, but I think it's more than that. They got to look at cornerback, and I think they have to look at that. They got to get some depth for that wide receiver room. I mean, they got three great ones, but who's the fourth guy? Isn't uh, it? Yeah, you don't have one because I didn't take. And Tate's probably oh, yeah. on his way. Yeah. So yeah. you got to get a fourth. And the boys probably going to get expected. Well, you know, right? love Tyler Boyd. But they yeah. can't pay him too much, though. Well, right? Yeah. I mean, but, you know, you got to pay him. So, I mean, you know. Yeah. He's the best slot receiver in the league. Well, and true. He doesn't look like he's slowing down either. You know, See, so that's the stuff you have to start dealing with now. Is, yeah, is, they, right. And you got to decide about, yeah. okay, if you pay Tyler Boyd that, then where, where do you value T. Higgins? And, of course, you know, what, yeah. do you put the, what value do you oh. put on Jamar Chase? I mean, how much money are they going to dole out in back-to-back years with Burrow and Chase? Going to right, and that's right. They're right. Good and problem what, to have. That's course. what happens. Right. That's because, what happens. Success. Burrow is going to be the first fifty million dollar a year quarterback, perhaps if not the first, one of the first. I would imagine that's going to get done pretty quick. Mike Brown never hesitates in paying his. Oh, so you uh, think they'll read? They'll rip him up right away here? Huh? I think I would think. I think if I think they, I, I, I don't know. That's a good question. They did with Carson Palmer. The first shot they had to. But who knows? I don't know. It's a different era, different time. It's it couldn't have been a better fit. Two years and a week ago, right? We all came here, up here to the combine, and everybody wanted to know. Oh, Joe, there was just this. There was this doesn't want to go to the Bengals. Yeah, Remember yeah. that one? He, he came up there and he said, shot that right. Shot yeah. right like out of the a air. clay pigeon. He said, "I could get." He said, "I could get home for, right. for dinner." Right. right. What, what, what's what's hometown again? Athens, Ohio. Oh, that's right. You're right. right, right. Look what they've done since two years and a week ago. Yeah. Since they made that. Right, they're as stable and as they're as stable and as and as and as good as any really team in the league. And they have they have a lot of cap space. They're set yeah. up for you know yeah. future success. Yeah. To me, it's really interesting. The the defense was built mostly from outside the organization yes. over two off seasons. Right. The off seasons almost entirely homegrown. Yeah. But the obvious needs offensive line. Right. Do you think that the aggressive and add a few pieces on the offensive line outside I, the organization? I think they'll be aggressive, but I don't think they're going to put a big number on a guy. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're going to go after a guy with who's long in the tooth. Okay. Now, if you go back at that defense, they didn't sign a guy uh, over the age of 27. They were right. all second contract. That's the way the Steelers have yeah. always viewed free agents. They want to get a guy yeah. who's yeah. Uh, going into a second contract, who's played a little. They feel yeah. that the upside possible and the thing is the the, the one thing this offseason that they didn't have in the previous two don't have a franchise you know they're probably gonna if if they don't use the franchise tag on jesse bates they'll sign him to a long-term deal either way there's going to be a big internal number that they didn't have the yeah, previous yeah, yeah. two years so they and, won't and, let him hit the open market uh, no, sure. no i don't yeah. think i would think not he's one of the best safeties in the league right uh dj reader though they didn't have a you know they didn't have that issue in 2020 they made dj reader the uh, uh highest paid nose tackle in the another league. guy played very well in and, and and deservedly so and then the next year was trey hendrickson deservedly so broke every i mean you can you, two better free agent signings have there been any better ever yep. hendrickson yep. and reader i mean yeah, they were, they, you know we were talking yesterday and then i'll let i'll let you go i um 
uh, I mentioned I, I want to ask Kevin Colbert, and I know he won't do it, but I'm going to ask him, give me your top five free agent signings since yeah. he's been here. Yeah. And we were going through some of the top ones, James Ferrier, Ryan yeah. Clark, and uh, one of our uh, your favorite players, Akimo Von Ohoffen. Yeah, was one of them. Was well, that right? He made yeah. one of them. Wow. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. he came in like oh yeah. three or something. Mike Hilton's got to be in our top five. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I would think. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Jeff, always good chatting with you, my friend. Same here, guys. Always yeah. great being on. See, make sure that guy knows my name now, will you? <laughs> Thanks, Wes. <laughs> That's Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with more of our combine coverage. It's presented by First National Bank. Let's get started. Member FDIC. You're listening to ESPN Pittsburgh and Steeler Nation Radio. Live from Indianapolis, this is continuing coverage 2022 NFL on Station Radio. Yeah, it's day three of our uh, radio coverage here from the NFL Combine. We're at the Indiana Convention Center just across the street from Lucas Oil Stadium. Our, our Combine coverage is presented by First Let's Get Started member FDIC and uh, Matt for as many years as I've been coming here, or certainly as long as Lucas Oil Stadium's been standing. And every day I drive in and I look at it, I just really love the look of the facility. I did for the yeah, first time yeah. I saw it. You know, it's not a dome. Um, it's just a it's a warehouse structure. You know, the roof retracts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just it's just marvelously done. I, I it's, might be my favorite facility in the NFL. Oh, okay. I, I, strangely enough, people might be shocked. I haven't been to that many. You know, like I'm right. a, I want every Sunday I'm on my couch trying to right. in, in, ingest every game I possibly can on TV. You're right. It is beautiful. I mean, even just walking around the town and all the glass in the front of it, too. Right, I mean, it, right. It's a really good, cool environment. Yeah, there's a certain architectural architectural uh, uh, kind of quality or fingerprint on this town where I don't know what it is. And, and, and you know, I don't want to say all the buildings look the same, but all the buildings, uh, uh, professional buildings, corporate buildings or, you know, the restaurants, whatever, to a degree, they all have this kind of and I don't know what it is, this this. Indianapolis stone-like quality about them. Okay. Whether whether it's some whether it's some points and not, not that I'm any expert in architectural design. I said but, not exactly my wheelhouse, Jerry. Oh, no, right. Fine. But it's just something about the the town um, that um, you know it's it's very distinctive. And I I think we talked about this yesterday. There's no better town in America for a Final Four or a Super Bowl because everything's right here. All the hotels down downtown. All the uh, uh, restaurants, the grid here, it's a six block grid. Every It's just one big, rope it off, and it's for three, four, five days, it's a big uh, party. It's just a great atmosphere for both. Yeah, 100%. Everything's flat, everything's walkable. I mentioned it yesterday. We parked the Jeep on Monday. We won't touch it again until Saturday. You know, I mean, everything's, I got a blister on my finger, on my foot, actually, from, from walking, walking so, so much. much yeah. right? but, well, just walking around the convention center, you'll get it. Yeah, just going back and forth, with, but it's all very, accessible though yeah. and I, I do agree with you how the, the town looks too it's not this building here this one doesn't look no. like this one they, they all kind of jive together pretty yeah, well they it's all, a cool environment they all really mesh uh, pretty well you know uh, uh in the next hour we're going to talk with uh, jeremy feller of espn he's oh, going to join us at the top of the hour jeremy for several years covered the steelers mm-hmm. for espn so he spent a lot of time in pittsburgh now he's now with uh, espn national he's he so was, uh, Two dorm rooms down from me at St. Vincent. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, Yeah, he's up in Connecticut now, but Jeremy's a good dude. He's going to join us at the top of the hour. One of the things I want to talk about uh, with him, uh, uh, Matt, and and I saw um, several coaches yesterday heard him talking about this because of one, you know, let's face it, it is a copycat league, but what the Rams have done 
trading away number one picks. They don't have another one till 2025. They haven't had one for several years. But Their last the, first-round pick was Jared Goff. I know. I know. <laughs> and they insane, traded yeah. him the big trade for Matthew Stafford. Right. Um, you saw, you know, bringing in uh, Jalen Ramsey. Now they drafted Aaron Donald. Um, but um, the moves that they made, you know, bringing in Vaughn Miller, um, their philosophy was we're going to go get established players now, guys that we yep. think can help us win. And they won. And there will be teams, especially, I think, with quarterbacks um, who will think, OK, you know, we have to make that move, try to make that trade. Maybe we have to give up two first round. Maybe we have to give up three. Just swap one and give away two. Um, I think we're going to see a little bit more of that this year. Yeah, it's one of my favorite subjects, to be honest with you. So stop me if I get long here. But what they do is very unique. And first of all, I think a lot of it is the town that they play in. They kind of want to be the Showtime Lakers. You know, they need Aaron Donald on the they billboard. Have to, and they have to because they're right. not the number one game in town. There. Right. You know, and they don't want just a bunch of pretty good players. I think they want star quality. But by doing that, as you mentioned, they're going to go an unprecedented number of years pick. Jared Goff was drafted a long time ago. Yes, he was. And they're not picking one this year either. And they gave away seconds and thirds for Von Miller. And but what's really interesting to me about the whole process is they're so smart in that they still make a lot of draft picks. So they let a lot of guards and safeties and non-essential positions, in their opinion, leave in free agency, and they get tons of comp picks in return. So even though they don't have top picks, they still make eight or nine picks a, a, a year, and they throw a bunch of stuff at a fan, and if a third, fourth-round pick, Cooper Cup was a third-round pick, hits, they're set. And so they have a lot of cheap talent non-essential positions, guard, center, safety, linebacker, because they have so much star power. It's a real balancing act, but it's very impressive. You know, you look at guys like Cooper Cup, you look at the Adam Thiele I think, at, in Minnesota, uh, you know, the, obviously not the types of receivers that we see taken in the first round mm -hmm. of, of NFL drafts. Um, but, man, are they productive. And Cooper Cup is just, he's just incredible what he's uh, been able to do this year. That final drop. Uh, in the Super Bowl was really impressive when now shame on the Bengals for playing zone first oh, of point, all good point right uh, but nonetheless they you you know he's going to get the ball you know uh, Matthew Stafford's going to target him and and yet even like on the touchdown catch uh, but you know his moves his running his speed his toughness I, I, I mean you know you've seen those guys become a little more valued and after what he did uh, this year with the with the triple crown of receiving Man, oh man! I, you know, for, I, I think he's going to to um, bring a little bit more attention in the draft to those types of players. A hundred percent, the separators, the route runners, and we had just had a good conversation a couple minutes ago about how wide receivers are coming to the league immediately and impacting the game. And Jamar Chase is the best example I can even think of. And frankly. Anyone He's the building. best. But you go back a year before Justin Jefferson. Uh, you know, absolutely. Right. There's right. a number of guys who come in. And, and, and anyone in this room could scout Jamar Chase and be like, that's a pretty special right. player. I mean, it doesn't take great, great talent. But if you look, some mistakes are made in wide receiver scouting the last five years or so with the first rounders, the guys that blaze great 40s. Uh, you know, we're going to take him high. You know, uh, Bengals took Ross a couple of years ago, ninth overall. You know, didn't deserve pick at all. Right. All but, bonds, all because of speed. All because of speed. But really, speed's an aspect of receiver scouting. And, and as a result, some of the absolute best receivers in the league are second and third round picks. 
And I think the Steelers know that better than anyone. You know, like not that they wouldn't use a first rounder on a receiver, but it's so deep. And, you know, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, you can go on and on. Cup, like we mentioned, some of the best guys aren't super early picks. When you look, of course, nobody would ever dream that Antonio Brown would have been a six or say the same sure, thing about sure. Tom Brady. And Antonio Brown didn't have uh, a sprinter speed. But what Antonio Brown had that he worked on and developed was his ability to separate, which made him the best receiver in the league. Yep. And so it's, it's your route running and your ability to cut the breaks that separate these guys who get open. Now, you got to make sure you have the quarterback who can hit those targets. But, you know, Antonio Brown's speeds never open anybody's eyes. Um, but, you know, it's, it's those other things that, that made him at the time the best receiver in the league, certainly the most productive. 100%. I really think – separation is the number one key. that sounds very obvious but how do you go about getting that separation like the the, the usc kid this year drake london he's six four six five two ten two fifteen like seems to be, be uh better than michael pittman see that's my concern with london though all his catches somebody's on his hip yeah you know like right, right. And he boxes them out and he's got this great hands but the corners are going to be a little taller, a little faster, much more skilled. You know, if you're not getting consistent separation, even though you're highly productive, scares me a little. That's what's happening with Chase Claypool. A he lot. Doesn't yeah, great. separate. Doesn't separate. When right. do you see him open? Right, right. Other than, you know, the quick four-yard slant. Sure. Or if they're laying off him. But beyond that, that's what he doesn't do. And so I think that, uh, that, that I'm not saying it's underappreciated. Uh, I don't think it is by NFL scouts. Maybe they uh, overestimate some of the other things like speed that you mentioned, but it's one of the qualities that Deontay developed that's allowed him to be as productive despite all his drops. 100%. He's not Antonio Brown. He is the one receiver on the Steeler team who gains separation. I think he's one of the better separators in the league. Absolutely. I mean, everyone kills him for his hands and his drops. I think that gets a little overblown. So do I. When you target a lot, you're going to drop passes. And when you throw <laughs> yep. the ball a lot, you're going to get intercepted. Phil yep. Sims told me that years ago. He's not worried about interceptions. He looks at wins and touchdowns. Yeah, you know, right, who, right. who can put the ball in the end zone? He goes, when you're throwing a lot, quarterbacks are going to be intercepted. He said it's overrated. Yeah. I mean, two or three receivers in the league get more targets per game than Deontay because he's earned them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he gets open. And frankly, like Wes Welker. Julian Edelman, they were always at the top of the league in drops because they get targeted, and they also get targeted amongst the big people. They're not little out routes where they get bumped right, out of right. bounds. They're running in the middle <laughs> of the field get as a slot guy. by a linebacker. I mean, right. that's a different different and, kind of catch. And they and, got a safety closing in on right. Corners right. are bumping them out of bounds. You right. know, I mean, it's a big deal. And, you know, lately with the Steelers' short passing game, Johnson's doing a lot of those type of things too, contested catches in the danger zone. Yes, a uh, couple uh, – uh, uh, the guy from Ohio State, Chris Olave, and of mm -hmm. course uh, Jahan in Penn State. You know, not the not the six three guys. Uh, they are smaller in size, but very fast. Uh, Jahan Dotson, maybe the best hands in the draft. We'll see uh, Good where separators. They, yeah, we'll see uh, where they go uh, in the draft. Uh, when we in our hour two, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN will join us. Matt and I will be with you until noon. And then we will turn it over to Wes Euler, Dale Lawley, and Max Starks. At that time, they will take you up until 2 p.m. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with more of our NFL Combine coverage. It's presented by First National Bank. Let's get started. Member FDIC. Jerry Dulac, along with Matt Williamson at the Indiana Convention Center. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more of our two right after this. You're listening to ESPN Bergen's Dealer Nation Radio. 